weekly podcast giving you an insight into the minds of musicians with me, Ellie Rashid. And me, Hattie Winter. This week, we are speaking to the mega-talented Charles Vaughan, an eclectic DJ, broadcaster and disco aficionado whose passion for the dance floor is frankly infectious. I'm pretty sure that when you listen to this interview, you will hear Charles's love for the dance floor and dancing and night culture just, just coming through. And it's so wonderful to hear at a time where, you know, clubs aren't opening and we're not able to really let our hair down so we really hope that you enjoy this and just get reminded of all the fantastic nights out that you've had in the past and also more amazing ones that are yet to come anyway a little bit more about charles as a dj his sets really vary so he plays anything from pulsating jazz to international oddities to selected disco cuts and soulful house grooves so it's it's a really big mixture it's super varied and always changing charles is also the co-creator of universal sanctuary which is a late night exploration into the crossroads of jazz and dj culture which we touch on in this episode and that's hosted on worldwide fm with the very lovely tina edwards as a dj charles has also played for the world famous boy Room where he supported esteemed selector Colleen Cosmo Murphy. Plus, he's played at the likes of Pickle Factory and Brixton Jam, which are two very well known clubs in London. In this episode, we really discuss the history of dance floor, disco, jazz, and discuss the continuation of jazz through the medium of DJing. And that's Charles's little thing. We'll let him tell you more. Also, how to keep a bond with the crowd. And of course, Charles gives us tips on requesting songs in a respectful manner. So, whilst there's not been any summer weddings this year, I'm sure that there'll be ones coming up and make sure that you treat your DJ nicely. We hope that you're loving this track in the background as much as us. It's aptly called I Just Want a Party and really sets the tone for the rest of the show. So do stay locked in and keep it on repeat. And don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Ellie and I would really, really appreciate a little five-star review. You can also leave some texts and, I don't know, maybe give us some feedback. But equally, if you just want to leave a rating, that's A-OK with us. So yeah, keep it locked on repeat with Charles Vaughan. I might, I'm currently in the process of maybe thinking about n- moving to New York at some point next year. Um, cool. Is that for work, pleasure, business? For both? <laughs> work, pleasure, business, all of them. Um, I have this idea for like, I have this idea for a PhD I want to do, but it's kind of focusing on G- DJing, but also linking it to jazz and disco um as like a continuation of them as art forms in a way and then i've done i've been doing a lot of research and digging up and become a lot more familiar with new york in the 60s 70s and 80s and and the sort of underground dance movement through that through working with a couple of different party crews and interviewing people and i've always wanted to go to new york and i was like well why don't i why don't I try and do a study there and like do like a masters and immerse myself in the culture and then kind of use that to bring back and do a phd but it's, it's very early days thoughts i have no idea it's just uh sketching out some rough ideas in my head but i just love the energy of new york and its creativity and its history is just incredible um but what is your what is your thesis like in a nutshell 
good question <laughs> i had this kind of like weird bubbling idea that sort of uh DJing as an art form is like uh, a continuation of jazz and improvisation. The differentiation between people who just play jazz and then using turntables, CDJs and and mixers in a improvisational manner to create new tones and methods and, and textures kind of weaving these kind of threads and, and weaving these understandings of music between genres in a way that I think is really jazz because if I think about jazz and what drew me to jazz this is the way it can blend so many genres and sounds and textures together um, in a really in a really mesmerizing way and create something entirely new out of it the formation of jazz alone was from so many other genres it was a melting pot and I think DJing is that too that just strikes me as like the, exactly the same as the way that you know any saxophonist might be you know experimenting with what they can be doing with their instrument what they can get out of their instrument in different ways so that was that was the melting pot for that that was originally a sort of thesis idea but now i'm sort of like i've been studying so much disco at the moment and i'm really getting into the history of it and now i'm like kind of interested in doing something more towards disco as well as jazz but you know lots of ideas bouncing around in my head basically yeah I love the idea of like the improvisation in in DJing because I and and jazz because it's totally true because you can see like it's always it's always different it hasn't really existed before and it hasn't it won't really exist just like again yeah exactly it's it's a really unique experience whereas a jazz band they feed off sort of the energy of each other on stage the DJ has this symbiotic three-way relationship of the audience and the sound system and the space which I think is like uh, really unique. If you look at jazz spaces and how they've evolved, it's evolved in much the same way that clubs have in 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 a in a large scale. And taking that energy is kind of how the DJs feed into creating their set and performance. And like you say, it's totally unique. My favorite DJs will just make links between tracks. I never thought to, that there could be a link between. That's always my favorite moments. That feeling I get when I watch bebop when people are like on on the edge, and I feel I'm on the edge as they're pushing it in new directions and pushing the flow and the energy of the music in a, until it breaks in that way. I think it's just so similar that you can't really ignore it in my in my humble opinion. Mm. Do you use that kind of feeling and energy and belief like when you're kind of planning your sets or how, how planned are they in the... They, they vary a lot. Um, some sets are planned, some sets aren't. You know, it's a mixture of the two. I guess that's having been a jazz musician that's similar to jazz you know some of it's planned some of it's not a lot of sets I do because I do a lot of like bar sets and stuff like that you know they're not planned they're if I turn up to for example my residency at near and far Camden I've it's a five hour set I've just given five hours to kind of do what I want I could try and plan five hours but there's no point um and that's normally the ground in which I sort of test ideas and test links and test kind of genres that I might not have visited before um it's a really useful space because you've kind of got an open canvas with a couple of people drinking and if you can get them slightly moving to something then you definitely know you're onto something and if you can take that idea and then translate that to a more club setting you sort of guarantee to you've already tested it you've already seen people's reactions it's shitty at times but um you know it's it's such a learning curve if you've got this crowd who are just so not into deep chicago house but you want to get them to it you've got to be like right well how do i get them on side like 
what ways do I go? So you're like, okay, well, I dig through and I, I play them something they might know. And then I play something really funky that I know they just can't, you can't not move. And it's like keeping that energy and building it so you can pull them in. And then you've taken to them to a place that you never thought you had. Um, and I guess that's what, as a difference to jazz, I think DJing can be definitely more approachable in that form. DJing really, I think, enables people to experience these genres and these styles in a really approachable manner because you're in an open experience and if you don't like a tune you can just walk to the bar and get a drink and if it if it's not working in the room the dj will move on and move in a new direction definitely i also agree that um djing is changing because also you can now there's more um opportunity to practice i think because you used to have to you used to have to have you know like hundreds and thousands of vinyls and you know really amazing Mm. turntables but i do think that there has been a bit of a democratization of of music technology um so people can get you know much cheaper controllers it's still not totally accessible you still have to fork out some money for it but you don't now need like your pioneer club standard dj controllers to to what to do something from home you can get like even like secondhand like new marks and obviously like tractor and stuff you can get them really cheap now just to practice your your mixing yeah hone your craft percent and I think a lot of people give criticism to, you know, the new wave of controllers and the digital DJing era. And I just think they're sort of, they're just different instruments in a way that, you know, an alto sax is different from a tenor sax, which is different from a barry sax. You know, they're just, they're just there for different things. They provide mm. a different sound. They provide a different form of interaction, you know. No one, if you're picking up the saxophone, no one's going to start you on a baritone saxophone. That makes no sense. You start on an alto and then you work your way to that. The same way that for so many people these days, the approachable way in is controllers, like you say. It's a complete democratization of the technology behind it. And I I learned on a controller, what, like 10 years ago now that I bought from Argos for £25. Yeah. Um, and that that's just how I learned. I just sat at my desk and, you know, you played one track and then you were like, ah, so if I cut the bass out of the other track and then bring it in, ah, it sounds like that. And that's just kind of how you learn from it. And I think... I remember when I was tutoring DJing, a lot of people got very frustrated that they didn't have CDJs. And CDJs, you know, if you do have a Pioneer set up, that can really help you take your DJing to the next level of what you might have in a club. There's definitely no doubt about that. But it's not it's not a waste of time practicing on a controller. Mm. And you look at some huge DJs still go on control. Look at Kate Trinada still DJs on a Tractor Control S4. Yes, he does. Sure. <laughs> yeah, literally, I saw him in Paris two years ago and it was one of the best DJ sets I've ever seen. And it was so simple. I'm like 100% sure it was still all on sync, but it didn't matter because the set and what he was building around it was great. So why did it matter how it was delivered? Um same with actually interestingly object blue she's talked a lot about how she dj's with um everything on quantize on the cdjs because she's like the point is for me is not for beat matching i'm trying to do three four cdjs worth of textures at any one point i I haven't got time to beat match Mm. so why shouldn't i be able to use this tool to enable me to be creative in other ways which i think is a really fresh way of approaching it yeah man say it louder for the people in the back This weekend you're looking at um, like sort of planning a lot of your sets. You've got like this 15 minute set, which is a really, really short time. I'm quite surprised because that's... <laughs> it is, it is, it is short. Um, yeah. And I'm very much used to 
sets are normally between four and six or seven hours sometimes um so 15 minutes is a little 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 challenging but we like a challenge that's why we do it we do we do i was i was gonna say um how do you maintain your creativity when you're being sort of i guess when you're juggling so many things it can be it can be really tricky it's definitely a balancing act i think anyone who's a freelance creative or a musician with multiple projects or anything anything that regard faces that challenge for me i think I've, I've got to be passionate about what I'm working on and that drives the creativity a lot of the time. Sometimes I'm not passionate on projects. There are certain projects that I do that sometimes I'm not passionate on and I can, I can see that I'm not as passionate because my energy going into it isn't nearly as high and my creativity isn't as high. But I try to only... I try to only take projects on that I know I really want to... I have like a really creative idea to jump on. Um, that being said... I'm just I'm just generally quite an energetic person like I do I do really like just getting stuck in and doing too much work that's just the way I kind of am so I normally don't have too much difficulty with that but I think sometimes what I've learned more in the last couple of years is previously I definitely try to force creativity in certain moments when it needs to be done you know you've got deadlines coming up you need something out and I think what I've learned more than ever is just to take take time off that project and on some other project and then come back to it with a fresh mind and that just does me a world of good whereas previously you know I would just sit on certain projects day and night being like why is nothing coming out why can't I get this working and then I discovered you know if I just take like a couple of days off it and and move in a different direction that's so much better such a healthier way of approaching it yeah I think that's a totally underrated sort of way of working on it as well and something that people should should probably learn from and I feel like that's one way to sort of control your creative energy because you strike me as you've always struck me as someone who has extremely high creative energy and I wonder if DJing really lends itself well to that because something that I always think when I'm watching DJs perform maintaining long sets as well like maintaining that energy how on earth do you do it I mean I've seen some of your Instagram lives and I'm just thinking wow <laughs> I, just, I have you know. I, yeah. I've had a lot of people tell me that um I'm quite an energetic person behind the decks uh as anyone who's seen me will tell me or booked me because I think you get a lot of images these days of DJs and they're playing their boiler room sets and they're doing the classic like the little bob with a couple of little things. Um, first and foremost, the reason why I DJ is because I love to dance and I love music and I love d- dancing to music live. Like I I like being in a club space. If I'm not DJing on a weekend, I will try and go to a club to just go and de- dance in front of a DJ. I like it. It's fun. It's really good. And when you're getting to dictate the energy and the movement and the tunes that you want to hear it just for me it just peaks my energy in a way that i just can't describe if you just if you just go 100 miles an hour for five hours you're just going to tire them out but like sets like that you've really got to pace yourself out you can't that that's so hard because you get people pouring in and people are sort of at the stage and they're like we want this we want this they want the energy and you've got to you've got to build it you can't just jump in at the peak point because you build energy on energy on energy and then it gets more and more down to the point that if you if you mess it up you'll lose everyone and then they'll just drop to the bar because i i find the longer you build the energy and you keep the momentum going the quicker people will just take a break out of any slight mistake or any slight 
tune going the wrong way. That's so cool. So, you know, you're talking about like all this energy that you have and, and obviously your your audience feeds off from that energy as well. Do you ever have time where, you know, like some downtime where you're like, okay, I'm going to chill now? Or do you feel like you're always quite energetic? Because when I speak to a lot of performers, and I think I'm probably this type of performer as well, I've, I'm quite... I'm quite low energy actually, but I it takes a lot for me to um, sort of get into that place, and I have to almost get into a completely different headspace for whether I'm doing music practitioner work or performance and stuff like that. And it's not that it's not me; it's just an aspect of me. But I just can't be that high energy all the time. Do you think that you're someone who just is always at that level, and you just you're fully yourself, or do you need time just to kind of like I don't know on your own just to gather that energy I definitely I definitely am a a high energy person in general in, in outside of outside of music as well as inside music most of my friends are like Jesus Christ you're mad how do you just keep going all the time but I do have you know like anyone I have to take moments for myself to experience and enjoy it and I think I do have those moments when I DJ often the last half hour of my sets especially when I've had a really good set they'll normally just be kind of sort of the end of the night moment soul groovers and I go back I go more into selecting and there's a good differentiation to make there between uh, being a selector and being a DJ because they're very different things um, and when I do more selecting stuff i.e. when I play like Spiritland one of my favorite places on earth and the honor of of just selecting records for five hours was incredible and that's not I, you know i wasn't dancing around behind the decks it's not it's a restaurant people are eating you can't just go mental so taking that space and and really just feeling the music in a new way i i really adore that as well it's not something i do as much um but when i get the opportunity to to have that freedom and space to explore those kind of more gentle cuts is it's a really nice experience. I used to do a lot of um, ambient sets with an extended DJ setup I had where I had the CDJs going into my two-track tape deck and also some programming in Max MSP. And I used to try and make new new textures out of this ambient stuff. And it was all very like slow moving, just like playing with the different tones you could get out of, out of the, the kit I had. And yeah, I miss doing that a lot. Um, not that I don't love what I do now, and where I am and I look forward to seeing what I do in three years time it may be I might not be doing high energy stuff I might just be back to playing jazz in in bars and chilling out you know but um I definitely need that space and sometimes sometimes I'm lucky enough to get gigs or or mixes where I can I can show that side of me which is it's great to have that balance definitely you produce as well I do yes yeah I was gonna say um like listening to you talk you you seem to take on a lot of responsibility of like the relationship between the DJ and the crowd. Do you kind of have the same responsibility when it comes to like producing music and you're thinking about how people will react to it and, and what you're making? So funny. It's a total opposite when I make music, actually. Um, I've, I've gone through so many different stages of making music. And right now I, I make music for no one else except me. It's just fully on my own terms. I don't, I've I've lost the kind of energy to make music that I used to have. I still enjoy it. It's a nice hobby, but it's not... Pri- previously, it was like years ago, it was like my first and foremost thing. And then I DJed on the side. And then very quickly, I discovered that I just enjoyed performing live. Performing live as a musician, I just found sucked. 
um it was just so many things holding me back and when i dj'd it was like right you can play for eight hours over genres you've never played before in and have so much energy and all you need is this one usb to get you going you know we were talking previously about uh this kind of entry-level idea for djing you know you just need a usb and you're and you're off whereas when i was trying to do my live electronic sets when i was doing more ambient and dubstep stuff it would take you know you'd spend weeks getting your program set up to be able to play and i still felt like i wasn't fully engaging with the music i hated the idea of playing to a backing track so I just got to this point a couple of years ago where I was like, you know what? I want to stop trying to think about what this music means and what I'm trying to do. I just want to make some tunes that are fun and just for me and I'll enjoy. So I started doing these little disco edits. I think this started like a year and a half ago where I'd sort of take some classic samples from some funk and soul tunes and make them into sort of disco house tunes. I started by, I found the multi-track of um, uh, Shake Your Body Down to the Ground, Jackson 5. Uh, Michael Jackson even um, and I was like you know what every time I play this in the club it doesn't hit hard enough I want to just do a version where it hits hard and is it, I want a bassy version so I can listen to it on my headphones and it, and it thump a bit and I did that and it was really fun and I've just kept doing that now for a bit because it's just fun you know I don't have to, I don't really think about what the audience might do sometimes when I'm like producing on a track I might be like oh I do want the audience to kind of build in this way but most times it's like what do I want to hear what do I want to hear out this sample or this source material like currently I'm working on um I never thought I'd work on a remix of Dua Lipa oh my god um, that is amazing sorry <laughs> So good. I, I've I've got way more into pop music in the last sort of six months owing to I don't know just sometimes getting burnt out with listening to so much DJ stuff and and music stuff and that I've just been like oh just shove on shove on some pop um you know I just want to bop to something um also I downloaded TikTok like six months ago and that's ruined my life <laughs> um, lockdown yeah bigger oh, no that was pre-lockdown that's the worrying thing um but you. I th- the thing I find about interesting about TikTok is you hear these sounds over and over and over again. Um, and I found some incredible music through TikTok. Um, there's a lot of awful, awful music on there and awful trends. But I found everything from proto-acid disco classics um, from the 70s that I never knew about to some kraut rock, which has been good. I found really incredible like hip-hop stuff. Literally, the mix I was preparing upstairs, the 15-minute one, one of the tracks is off is is from tiktok it's this incredible uh future funk tune that someone had just posted a little like dancing joke and i was like this is a great track like what is this doing on this app this shouldn't be here um and yeah the dua lipa um track um was very viral on there and i just kept hearing that loop and i was just listening to it in the shower one morning and i was like you know what it'd be really fun if someone just shoved a kick drum on it and just just made it groove a little and I was like, yeah, that, that's all I'll do for it. And I just sat down at my keyboard, flashed out some ideas, and, and that's the biggest Ableton track I've worked on in, in ever. So I don't know how that happened. But it was just for me. I, I, I was like, yeah, this will be fun to release. And lots of people have messaged being like, this sounds cool. But ultimately, it was just like, I was like, oh, this sounds cool. What if I looped it and just made it a disco track? That'd be fun. Um, so I think my approach to production is a lot more, a lot less considered than my DJing approach just because I just it's more a thing for me to have fun with I think that's so 
it's so interesting you talk about TikTok as well. Bring it back to TikTok. Don't don't get me started on TikTok. We could I could do this entire thing on TikTok. Uh, to be honest, I didn't know. I I did um a project about um use of pop music in early years education so one of the big things was actually dancing and of course that's so relevant to what you're doing and I, I didn't know a lot about TikTok before I did this project and um, it was actually I mean people started to talk about it and I was like okay yeah yeah I must look into this then my younger sister WhatsApp me she was like I'm TikTok famous now and then I looked into it I was like what is this and then I saw like you all of these tunes I was like yeah this this is a tune <laughs> like that do 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 do, do. <laughs> like all this girl I must want you and like all these things it's like people and now my sister as well she has uh, a playlist she's a bit younger but she has a playlist of just all tiktok mm. tunes and the sort of genre variety you get from that is amazing and just the fact that it's all for for dancing you know whether you like the dancing or yeah. not is kind of not the point but it's like that energy thing that you're talking about and getting people moving i think um and actually i was thinking genre wise do you you talked about dua lipa you talked about disco you talked about ambient music but do you ever feel like people pin you to disco or jazz ever um Really good question because I've tackled that a lot in my head over the last couple of years. I I guess I'm still kind of considered in a lot of circles to sort of be very strictly jazz, which is something I I kind of gave myself. I arrived at I arrived at university years ago where we all met, and uh, I was just completely confused about how there wasn't more jazz. It, there was sort of a moment where it was weirdly a great time to be a jazz musician, and I remember when I. Before that, when I was at school, my teachers had been like, don't don't try and do jazz, man. Don't do it. Like, And then suddenly the surge of stuff coming out. And I came to Goldsmiths and I was like, well, where is it? We're in South London. This is everything I've heard about. But where, where's, where's the jazz? And then I therefore just made it my thing to set up and do as much jazz and get as much jazz around me going, um, which is how we met Ellie, because... The old jazz nights that I used to run. Yeah. Jesus, that was a throwback. I have I have a lot to thank you for for that as well <laughs> because actually because you need someone with that kind of like we needed someone who was just going to be like look there's no jazz here where's the jazz bring it in but but then you know talking about jazz still makes me really confused because what do you what what do you say is jazz I I always find that really difficult. An excellent question. Um, prepare me for a guardian article on what is jazz in the modern age um i think jazz can be so many things for me jazz is i know jazz when i hear it a good way for me to define is i i sometimes have to define what is jazz because when i download tunes um and i have music that i need to put on my usbs my usbs have folders and they're normally organized primarily by genre and then other weird things under that so when I get a tune, I need to decide, is it going in a jazz folder? Is it going in a funk folder? Is it going in a more global music folder? Is it going in something else? So that's really made me have to pick up on my ear of what I consider jazz. And for me, it's just uh, it's just, it's just like a feeling in the groove. Um, and I think what's interesting is it can blend that some grooves are jazz, but not funk, but some funk tunes will use the same groove and they're funk and not jazz. And I think it's just the way, the approach you're getting from the band itself. 
um, if it is a band or the vocalist or the producer, the approach you're taking. And I think the key element is there's got to be that level of improvisation in some form. You know, it doesn't have to be a full on Coltrane uh, solo, you know, that's breaking all levels of tonality, but it needs to have some element of, you know, this isn't just a straight groove that we're then playing over and that's it. You know, there's got to be some element of whoever's involved in it, even if it's just one person and, and their laptop, they've got to be feeding off each other in a way that's there's a way that's having that improvisational energy, which I think jazz was built off. So I guess that's kind of how I consider it. So would you argue that DJing is one of those areas? I mean, to me, yes. I think there's a lot of revolutionary directions. Something that really opened my mind to what jazz could be, I think, was uh, the, I worked for a record label when I came out of university called On The Corner Records. Um, I highly recommend anyone listening to go check them out. Uh, Pete's an incredible man. Um, working at the label and hearing hearing some of the music that the artist involved, everyone from Tamar Colacusa, who's one of the main uh, saxophonists on the, on the London jazz circuit, to DJ Calab, who's an incredible Italian producer, to Denga Denga Denge, which is this incredible electronic trio from South America. All this stuff, it was jazz, but it was just jazz in a way that I just, at that, po- at that time, moment in time, I just never considered jazz could be in that direction, this kind of fusion of electronics and jazz. And through that, I think I started, I started considering about how you could DJ jazz. Um, and interestingly, when our, the thing that really prompted me into it was when our jazz night stopped, um, I still had gig bookings for certain venues and, and people wanting to do stuff, even though unfortunately, you know, everyone has studies and we just couldn't quite get the bands together and whatever. So I was like, well, you know what? I'll just DJ it. I guess I'll just DJ some jazz tunes. Um, and I was like, I didn't know you could DJ jazz. I was to me, I was like, can you DJ jazz? Is that a thing? And then very quickly I learned about this rich cultural history behind DJing jazz, everything from Giles starting the acid jazz movement in the nineties up until what's going on today. And for me, I started understanding that, using the turntables and cdjs and the equipment in front of you in a truly unique way and trying to find new instrumentations with them and reorganizing these tracks providing these songs which are already created and give recontextualizing them uh in unique ways that are improvisational and momentary uh that idea of like it's not going to be recreated for me that just it's it's so jazz. It's it's like one of the jazzy jazzest things I can think of. Like it's so jazzy. Like that's that's what got me into jazz is when I was doing jazz piano lessons, is just taking a tune and completely turning it on its head and being like, Well, what if we did all these reharmonizations and made it a Latin tune? Like what would that what would that look like? And that's the same with that's the power of the cdj the the control of the vinyl the djing aspect is you can take a song and you can work rework it it's complete a completely finished production you know you cannot change anything about any of the instruments in there but using the tools in front of you you completely rearrange and and recontextualize the entire track i could make i don't know um excellent example there's uh um immigrant song by led zeppelin was a classic tune that um uh David Mansuki used to play at the loft. You could take that tune and just using some of the tools, just make it into like a lo-fi hip hop beat, just with like a couple of the tools on there, filter it down, or you could take it in a proto disco acid kind of way, really easily, and you can recontextualize all these works in in ways that the original, 
writers, publishers, and never thought of. Um, to me, that to me, that's jazz. That's just jazz at its core. Definitely. What What was your kind of first first jazz experience? You kind of touched on it briefly when you you were talking about your piano lessons. But do you remember anything anything else, or was there just like a certain moment that you were like, "This is what I want to listen to. This yeah. is what I want to play." Good question. Um, when I was I changed school when I was 12, 13 um, to go to a sort of secondary school, upper school. And um, at that point, I'd been, uh, I've done piano and saxophone and I'd been doing classical piano and saxophone, but I'd been in the jazz band at my very first school. Um, and apparently I had a knack for improvising, although it was just going up and down the blue scale in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, classic. Um, but on when I was, I had a music scholarship to this other school and they were like, you know, you could do jazz piano if you want. And I was like, I can do a jazz. I don't have to do classical. Because I hated, I hated doing classical piano. I hated how I would have a piece of music, which I liked, but I wasn't allowed to vary that from what was written on the page. I remember playing Gnossien number three, beautiful piece. Um, and it just, I, I wanted to take it in, I wanted to change it and, and be like, oh, what if you took longer on this chord? And what if you repeated this? And my teacher used to just get annoyed at me and be like, no, you've got to, you've got to play what's written in front or, or just that any should of be in the syllabus. Yeah. I mean, that, that should be. Uh, that's, that's my opinion. Any of Bach's invention, Bach invention <laughs> number five was like my favorite, one of my favorite things to play. And, and I used to be like, oh, you, what if you just, and it was like, no you strict quavers no swinging absolute dead you know and I, I just that drove me insane and then I had the option to do jazz piano and I started um learning under a guy called Jim Blomfield highly recommend you go check his jazz trio's work um and it, it the approach alone was incredible was that he came in and he was like f- he was like first I said he was like do you want to do grades and I was like I hate grades he was like cool we'll just he was like cool just pick a tune in this book uh and we'll learn it and we'll see where we go from there and then every week as as i got more and more into it you know i'd pick a tune and then i'd listen to the recording and then he'd be like why don't you listen to this recording of it and it would be this alternate recording by sonny rollins that i hadn't heard before and i was like oh that's interesting and then we bring that into the lesson and we'd be like he'd be like so this is what he was doing in that and then it was like recontextualizing it again and it became this cycle of it and you know within Within years, I've j- I just fully immersed myself into it. I was just kind of known in school as the guy that did jazz. It wasn't. It didn't have a huge. Again, my school didn't have a huge jazz support. It was very classical. It was very focused on classical arts and very focused on conservatoires. Um, and again, I set up a, a jazz a jazz trio with my mates because we got tired and we started doing gigs. And then the school were like, "Well, we'll pick that up and." stuff like that and I get that was just how I got into it It was just that cycle of of hearing a bit and then hearing something given to you differently which I think is a great way of teaching is when you're not just you just said like oh it should be in the syllabus but that's the thing teachers that are willing to break the syllabus even just to give a little extra context to works I've always found other teachers have helped push me in new directions you know where they've willing to be like okay you know you need to listen to this and you need to know this but how listen to this thing that's just going to turn this on its head and yeah i think i think that is that was a slippery slope into jazz um basically um and here i am still doing some form of jazz 
It's funny because you, you talked about Bach, Schoenberg, like everyone. And I know so many jazz musicians who say that Bach is basically the start of jazz. I mean, you would argue it could be like late romanticism or, or you know, yeah, Schoenberg, I guess, or, or Berg or... But, yeah, there's, you know, you got your classic two, two five, five one harmonic <laughs> movements. You can't, you can't have jazz without a good two five one. No, I mean you are right, and and people told me at the time, and I was like, no, he's not. And now I, with a bit more maturity, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, a very loose start, you know, a very loose start in the uh, same way that a lot of very things loose. are a very loose start to other genres. But it's definitely interesting picking that apart. I think. But the more you talk about genres and, and all of these different things I think it's amazing that you, you connect everything but yeah the more I think about it it's like do we can we keep labeling genres because it just seems to like like jazz like we were just talking about it's so hard to pinpoint exactly what jazz is and jazz is going to keep evolving like every everything else so that's why I'm finding it interesting how Spotify has um started labeling things in different ways mm. so I this playlist like coffee break or lost in the woods or shower <laughs> you know things like that is that great titles gonna... great titles yeah I mean they are but maybe that makes more sense I mean I understand it's it's pretty subjective like you might be lost in the woods and you might want to listen to some heavy metal I don't know <laughs> but you know mm. I it's it is subjective but is that maybe a way that things might go rather than labeling things in just jazz or you only have to go to a boiler room set to see a million arguments about genres um, and genre names. And there was a time in my life when I was, um, it's an absolute throwback. I don't think I've ever put this on record, but I was a dubstep producer when I was 16 with a record contract. Um, uh, you will, you will, you will get a link to this after, which will never be shared again. Uh, technically my most successful work, it is on Spotify, but I will not say what it is um but i used to get really really uptight about the genre names and it's it's this it's this because it's at this bpm and then i kind of let it go but i still i'm still not in the party and and the camp of we should just abolish genre names especially especially with i don't know there's 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 reasons why genre names are there and and they're there for a good reason i think giving disco the primary thing disco you know disco is a disco is a word for me that symbolizes a rebellion against you know the state essentially um and a freedom of expression in a way that i think you know loads of genres of freedom of expression but for me disco is one that re i hold an affinity to and the word disco therefore for me and the genre and the idea of having a genre named disco is important it tells a history it tells a it documents you know a people's fight to have this music exist just the very idea of the word disco was it was absolute heresy at one point if you look at disco demolition in 1978 which is where um a uh, midwestern rock dj um blew up a load of uh disco records um and then started a riot through it because they were so done with disco and that's where we got disco sucks from um and like for me to try to to disband with genre names entirely would be a discredit to the history of what those genre names have come to represent you think about house you think about jazz even you know we're saying oh is it or is it not jazz all it is is we're saying is it or is it not a continuation of this lineage that jazz comes to represent and i think that's still useful and it still should be used because by ignoring i think if we ignore genres we ignore the history attached to those genres potentially i think 
remove removing that hist removing the name removing removes the history um and a lot of that history is really important um and i wish people took it more in consideration i think i totally agree and i also think that even with like genres uh history has already been erased people will already forget things that have happened so if you just take mm. it away completely it's just you know inviting that to happen more however i th- i think I think there is a case to be made, like you said, for the way that Spotify have approached things and doing stuff more on moods and energies, because that's a perfect example of that, where you're conjuring, you're conjuring a sense of the energy and mood of a track for a situation. I think that's a really fresh way to approach it. Do you ever get people um, requesting stuff? Because I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of people, when they say, oh, yeah, I've got a DJ, like, they're like, oh, yeah, I've got to request X, Y, Z. Do you get that? And how does it make you feel? If I had a penny for every time I got a request, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be in any economic difficulty ever again. I think um, you get if you're a DJ, you you obviously you would expect people to get requests. I I don't think people realise how often DJs get requests, and more so how ridiculous these requests are. You really you really see an attitude in people when you won't play their requests. Originally, I used to years ago. I used to be more empathetic, and if someone requested something, I'd be like, "Oh no, I'm really sorry. It's a good suggestion, but you know, I just haven't got anything. Uh, I've, I've kind of run out of the patience for it now. Sometimes I will, depending on you know if the request is appropriate, then I'll play the request. I don't know. Someone requests some Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I'm doing a more cheesy disco set. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll try and slot in some Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm I'm always like, there's no guarantees, but yeah. Um, or if I'm doing like a house set and someone's like, oh, have you got that, have you got that, uh, Harvey Sutherland cut? And I'm like, yeah, no, that's a great cut. Yeah. I'll try and slide that in. But the, I think the most classic story, which is now a joke and everyone make, takes the piss out of me. Uh, I was doing an all vinyl funk set in Bristol on a Tuesday night and this gut bloke came over and leant over and he was like, you got any Sean Paul, mate? And I was like. I I just kind of like looked at him and just like looked at the records in front of me and then looked at him and he was like, yeah, Sean Paul. And I was like, let me just check my record bag and just fake flipped through it. And I was like, nah, I don't think I do. And he was like, oh, shame, mate. And I was like, and it's just situations like that where, you know, that one was funny, but I've had more times where people have got really annoyed. I remember one time when on my old residency at what used to be the Nines in Peckham, this um this woman came up to me it was so funny she came up and she was like hi um and i could te- see she was like really thinking about whether she s- should say this and i was like oh no this isn't gonna be good she came up and she was like she was like um what what would you what would you what would you call this and i was like uh I, i'd call this kind of like upbeat funk sort of edging towards disco maybe and she was like uh, is the music going to be like this all night? And I was like, yes, yeah, so it's like a funk soul disco night. I was trying to be nice. I was like, it's a funk soul like disco kind of night. And she was like, is it going to get a bit more like dancey? And I was like, okay, well, this is, yeah. And I was I was like, ah, well, I was like, towards the end, the last hour, you know, we try and ramp it up and go with some more like, you know, disco stuff that people will know. And she was like, when you say disco, what do you mean? And I was like, what do I mean? I was like, um... Uh, like disco like uh i was like i don't know like michael jackson or or or, uh, sister sledge we play i always end on sister sledge and she was like you got like like abba kind of thing and i was like yeah no kind of kind of like abba kind of like abba and she was like 
oh, so you're not going to play any hip hop? And I was like, no, I'm not. And she was like, oh, okay, we're going to go then. And I was like, okay, bye. And, and that was it. She was just like, I'm going to leave, you know? And I was like, okay, I this doesn't affect me. Like, it's and that attitude really annoys me. But request, requests make me feel horrible. I hate it. If anyone is listening, please, 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 please never do a request unless you really think it's appropriate and you do it in a really nice way because otherwise it's just a really horrible experience. Thank you so much to Charles for the super invigorating talk. Listening back has just made me realise how much I really miss going out dancing with my friends. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but it's been a really long summer. If you liked what Charles was saying and you just want to find out more, you can find him on Instagram at cvaughnmusic and Vaughn is spelled V-A-U-G-H-A-N. He's got Bandcamp, website, we will put all the links in the show notes. Um, Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review um, or a rating on Apple Podcasts or, you know, you can even share it on your Instagram stories. We, We love that. We love interaction. So yeah, please do share and tell your friends that you think might like it and stay tuned for another episode next week with more amazing, creative, fabulous artists. And yeah, have a lovely week and don't forget to keep it on repeat. We hope you've enjoyed the episode and want to keep us on repeat. You can follow, subscribe and like us on your podcast platform of choice and slide into our DMs on Instagram by following us at onrepeatthepodcast. All information will be included in the show notes. On Repeat was made, produced and edited by us and the theme music is an original piece by Ellie's jazz band Fujiyama and wonderfully resampled by Dee the producer for the podcast. All of our guests give us permission to use their music. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to keep it on repeat.